1: guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. Kunal, we're two races into the 2019 season and we've had just such an unusual start to this season.
0: I know, right? And you know, when you think of unusual, the first two names that come to my mind are Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton because both the superstars haven't had the start to the season that they would have actually hoped for. And uh, can you imagine, had Charles Leclerc won in Bahrain, the opening two races of the 2019 Formula One season would have been won by the two number two drivers of Ferrari and Mercedes. That's how unusual the start to this season has been.
1: Kunal, are you calling Leclerc the number two Ferrari driver?
0: (laughs) Well, no, and I'm not saying that Bottas is the number two driver either.
1: Good save. But, you know, honestly, you do have a point because Hamilton got pole in Australia, but he was beaten at the start. And in Bahrain, he lost out at the start again. He was put on this train strategy. And he obviously only won the race because of Leclerc's problems.
0: And I tell you this, it is or it feels like it is 2018 all over again. Lewis Hamilton being the lucky driver, and of course, by lucky, I certainly don't mean that he's not driving hard enough or anything of that sort. All I mean is that he was there to snatch victory when it came his way.
1: And it's 2018 all over again for Sebastian Vettel. Kunali's back to his spinning ways. And you know what was so embarrassing about Bahrain? was that he spun without any contact whatsoever.
0: (laughs) Yes, and I think that was an absolute rookie mistake from our quadruple world champion. I know he's made these mistakes several times over, but, you know, in Bahrain, I just think that he tried putting more power into his rear wheels or rear tyres than what they could actually handle.
1: So guys, in this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast, there's so much to look forward to. We are going to summarize the most unusual, the most surprising, the most unpredictable moments of the 2019 season. And guys, there are already several of them.
0: Yes, because that's what we felt after, you know, the checkered flag dropped in Bahrain, that we've had a very unusual start. But that's not all. We are also going to talk about Fernando Alonso, his test in McLaren. Of course, if he could be racing in the Bathurst 1000 next just because he's racing everywhere, he can.
1: And if Ferrari should already start favouring Leclerc over Sebastian Vettel,
0: well, ladies and gentlemen, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and on Audio Boom to you know to hear your weekly dose of Formula One humour. But we are also. Listed or featured on CastBox FM. So, you know, if you guys listen to us on CastBox FM, you will find us featured out there. So thank you very much yet again for your support and listens.
1: Thanks, guys. But back to what we were talking about, why 2019 has been such an unusual season. But you know, Kunal, I'll tell you what's not unusual first. Mercedes' is back-to-back one-two finishes. You know, in Bahrain, I remembered the classic quote. To finish first, you first have to finish.
0: Yes, that's that's true. And, you know, can you believe it? Like, two races, I mean, one of which, at, at least in Australia, Mercedes was like the class of the field. But in Bahrain, they were far from being the class of the field. But they still managed to win. Goes back to how we've seen them do this time and again before. But uh, I'll tell you what wasn't unusual for me. It wasn't unusual for me to see Daniel Ricciardo retire from a Formula 1 race thanks to issues with his Renault power unit. And it was, although, unusual to see uh, Renault put Daniel Ricciardo on a strategy where he was required to overtake the midfield drivers twice. Twice! it, (laughs) It almost seemed like Renault was testing Ricciardo and asking him to prove his overtaking talent yet again.
1: By the way, it was unusual to see Ricardo leading the race. Yes, that, only, that, that
0: happened. Yeah, yeah,
1: in only his second race with Renault, Ricardo actually led the race. Although, Canal, it was only for one lap. But what one,
0: the hell? one lap, one but... glorious <laughs> lap. <laughs> and on that overtaking thing, the only driver Daniel Ricardo had sort of a dirty overtake on, or you know, ended up touching, was his teammate Nico Hulkenberg, and that was seriously funny.
1: By the way, it was very, very, very unusual to see Hulkenberg and Ricardo retire. Same corner of the same lap. And Kunal, that is some statement from Renault, you know, to prove that they treat both their drivers equally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and more than anyone else, I actually feel for Nico Hulkenberg because he was running to be the best of the rest when his Renault power unit actually blew up. And he actually started uh, all the way back in the bottom five because he was eliminated in Q1. But uh, also, guys, please remember, if Nico Hulkenberg receives lesser coverage in the second season of the Netflix F1 documentary, it was because of his microphone throwing act at the Bahrain Grand Prix.
1: Gunal, have you heard any confirmation about Ferrari and Mercedes, whether they would participate in the documentary this year?
0: Well, I really hope that they don't because they're, ru- they're ruining the Formula One show and I wouldn't want them to ruin another Formula One show.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know, honestly, for all you know, they'll agree to star in the show only if they get like 50% of combined coverage more <laughs> than anyone else and... Extra coverage for historical bonus or whatever, (laughs) I don't
0: know. They always want a competitive advantage or an unfair competitive advantage, as we'd call it. But even with this whole new management and new team approach to media and all of that, Ferrari screwed up Sebastian Vettel's Q2 qualifying session. He was sent out in traffic and he busted an extra set of soft tyres. And I seriously wonder if Sebastian Vettel is now getting the Kimi Raikkonen treatment in Ferrari and, you know, whether Charles Leclerc is getting the Sebastian Vettel treatment in Ferrari. Although, the last two years, probably all the drivers have got a Kimi Räikkönen treatment. (laughs) There hasn't been, you know, the sharp treatment that we saw back in the days of Michael Schumacher.
1: Yeah, Kunal, so much for Vettel wanting to emulate Michael Schumacher at Ferrari. He still got a long way to go. (laughs) By the way, McLaren had a double Q3 entry. I was amazed, I was surprised, I was happy. And then Lando Norris got the best of the rest result. I would definitely classify this as an unusual result. Happily so.
0: Even more so given that Norris was, you know, driving the only car with a sole surviving Renault power unit. And uh, talking of Norris, his teammate Carlos Sainz Jr., he had a clash with Verstappen. Now, there was something definitely not unusual about that. Or it was very usual. It was very typically Max Verstappen.
1: But what was not unusual was Max Verstappen's post-race spin. You know, Gunal, he must have thought to himself, like, okay, I've had an unusually clean race. Let me at least have, you know, some spinning post-race and give Vettel some <laughs> company.
0: <laughs> and not unusual in Bahrain, at least in qualifying, was when the rookies outqualified their veteran teammates yet again. And it's so much fun to see all these young drivers come and beat their not-so-young teammates especially.
1: But as usual, Haas did not score points. Because Kunal, you know how it is for them. One good race, one bad race. So we basically know how it's going to be for them in China. It's going to be good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so Formula One's thousandth race. And now that's some benchmark. But that's what it's going to be at the 2019 Chinese Grand Prix. And boy, it makes Formula 1 sound like a really, really old sport.
1: An old sport for old Rolex-wearing men. <laughs> I'm
0: just 80 kidding, 80-year-old Rolex. <laughs> We're not old. <laughs> well, uh, to celebrate the sport's 1000th race, on the InsideLine F1 podcast, we are going to have a feature for you next week. In the week leading up to the 1,000th race, I should stop saying that, but anyway, we will have uh, two episodes for you. The first one is a feature with a famous Formula 1 freelance photographer, Kim Ilman. Kim is from Australia and he talks to us about his experiences of working as a photographer in the Formula 1 paddock. He also shares his tips on how to get better at clicking Formula 1 cars and drivers in action. So, for all you eager, trigger-happy listeners, if you're eager on knowing what the life and career of a Formula 1 photographer is, remember to tune in. And even more so, if you're eager on pursuing a career as a Formula 1 photographer.
1: And of course, we'll also have our second episode, which will be our regular pre-race episode. Guys, we look forward to China, the usual Paddock stories and uh, the What Wolf Said This Week section, lest we forget. So, lots to look forward to. And uh, Kunal, since we're talking about photographers, I just remembered reading Hamilton's comments on Instagram. This comment was about a photograph shared by the official F1 handle. And Hamilton said that from the previous eras, he missed the great-sounding F1 engines.
0: Yes, now officially, we make no comments on that. And not on Instagram, not even on our podcast, because we've had this Formula 1 engine sounds discussion way too many times. So it's just time to give up. But hats off to both Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel for cheering Charles Leclerc in Bahrain, especially post-race. Everyone was very philosophical and offering support and telling Charles how he is destined for a great career and all of that.
1: Yeah, I thought it was very cute. But Jacques Villeneuve feels that Hamilton didn't actually mean what he said about Leclerc.
0: (laughs) Well, I really hope that Villeneuve still hasn't meant what he said about Robert Kubica. But I did some digging around and I realized that the reason why Wilnav is speaking shit about Robert Kubica is because back in 2016, it was Kubitsa who replaced Wilnav at BMW Sauber.
1: Burn! <laughs> Good digging, Kunal.
0: Well, but Kubica said after Bahrain that he is a passenger in the Williams F1 car. Till such time improvements are made. Now, I wonder how in a single-seater racing car, the person sitting behind the driver's seat can call himself a passenger. (laughs) I mean, I know a passenger is commonly the term used when someone aquaplanes off the circuit or something like that. But from what I remember, Australia and Bahrain were both dry races. But keeping all the technicalities aside, if, uh, you know, what Kubica said about don't mind being the passenger, if that's the kind of passenger that he gets to be, I wouldn't mind being one because it does seem like a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, Williams were running short of spares in Bahrain and the drivers were told to be cautious. Well, Kunal, I'm just sure that the team was super glad that a certain Lance Stroll has left their team.
0: <laughs> and I'm sure that they were very happy that I wasn't being a passenger in one of their cars very in Bahrain happy. as well. But on, on Lance Stroll, Sergio Perez made a statement before Bahrain that Stroll's race pace is seemingly better than Nico Hülkenberg or Esteban Ocon. Now, can you believe it? In just one race, Perez made this statement. Or maybe he was asked to make the statement. We will actually never know.
1: We'll never know because from being paid to drive, is Perez also being paid to say good things about Stroll?
0: (laughs) Well, let's remember he was also a driver who paid to drive. So... A lot of those paid driver talks, yeah.
1: (laughs) By the way, I was also surprised to read that Romain Grosjean is one of France's highest paid sportsmen. Apparently in the region of 5.5 million euros.
0: Unbelievable. No, No comments, really. The only comment actually I can make is, if Roman scores points more regularly, I'm sure that he will certainly earn a lot more. But I must say that he does have this knack of putting himself in a tough spot at least once every Grand Prix weekend.
1: Or that he doesn't need to score points more regularly because he anyway earns so much. (laughs) But since we're talking of earnings, Lewis Hamilton's career earnings are at around half a billion dollars. Wow. This was some list released by Forbes like crazy.
0: The surprising name in that list was that of Ralph Schumacher. He's made around 120 million dollars if I remember right.
1: Good for him. (laughs)
0: Yes. Okay, finally, two key topics to talk about. Fernando Alonso's test in McLaren and of course... Should Ferrari favour Charles Leclerc over Sebastian Vettel already? Now, on Alonso, he said that the 2019 McLaren car is good, but it isn't good enough to tempt him to come back to Formula 1. And that he would return to the sport only if an opportunity opportunity with a world championship winning team came by.
1: Basically, Alonso believes that if the McLaren car is a Formula 1.5 spec... A Formula 2 driver, Norris, is more suited to drive it <laughs> while Alonso waits for an opportunity in Formula 1.
0: <laughs> but for now, I wonder if Alonso could race in the Bathurst 1000. It's a race in the Australian V8 Supercar Series. And I know that Zach Brown owns a minority stake in a team out there. So, Fernando Alonso, go have all your fun down under as well.
1: And finally, Kunal, the most burning question, I would say, of this podcast... Should Ferrari favour Leclerc over Vettel? What do you think?
0: Well, honestly, the start to 2019 makes fans believe that Ferrari should make the switch in preference of drivers. Especially, you know, in, uh, if you remember back in Australia, Leclerc was ordered to stay behind Vettel and in Bahrain, he denied a similar team order.
1: I know, that was so badass.
0: Yes, but it's, in my view, still early days. Leclerc has shown pace and promise. But Vettel's experience against Hamilton might just come handy. Now, I know this is exactly where lots of our listeners will cite all of Vettel's mistakes, literally back from 2017.
1: Yeah, he's spun in somewhat four out of the last 10 races. And Leclerc's pace, form and maturity does put Ferrari in a spot. I would agree. Because, you know, let's remember, not all prodigal drivers have both pace and maturity. And maybe Leclerc is an exception.
0: Well, I know that under underhanded <laughs> statement was targeted towards someone else. <laughs> but anyway, let's see how Ferrari handle this. Because I think publicly they will offer support to Vettel. But in the race, they will offer neutral status to know both their drivers especially over the next few races like any team would and then see which way the wind actually blows in 2019. And it would be something if Charles Leclerc maintains this advantage over Vettel through the entire season.
1: Yeah, Vettel's anyway made a statement that he's not sure of Formula One after 2020 and would wait before commenting. But guys, this statement was actually made before the Bahrain Grand Prix, so let's not overreact.
0: Basically, she means, you know, let's just wait before commenting.
1: Wait and watch. <laughs>
0: Yes, and finally, I must say that the midfield of Formula 1 reminds me of the intense racing that takes place in Formula E. Basically, there's positions changing every other corner.
1: Yeah, Hulkenberg actually labelled the opening lap of Bahrain as a war zone.
0: And he actually had a fantastic opening lap from what I remember. He went from being in the bottom five to running in the points. And I also saw a few driver-on-board cameras and there were literally so many sparks flying from the cars. It felt like the drivers were in the middle of artillery fire. And I'm not kidding.
1: Yeah, in fact, Alexander Albon said that he felt like he had fire on his face. Well, there you go. Okay, guys, uh, closing notes coming up. So, Ross Braun said that the 2021 regulations are close to being signed off. But the financial regulations might not be signed off. So, I don't know. That's a positive, negative, positive statement from (laughs) Ross I am confused.
0: Well, I think for Formula 1 to be competitive and for Formula 1 to attract new teams, financial equality would be extremely crucial.
1: Yeah. And uh, Ross said that the 2021 agreements is very closed and they will be signed before the deadline. But Christian Horner believes that they will miss the deadline.
0: Who do we believe?
1: The optimist or the pessimist, I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I fear for what will happen in case Formula One does end up missing the June deadline. Uh, Although I do hear that Ferrari might still retain the, the right to veto the technical rule changes in the sport even after 2021. But again, let's wait for all official statements before commenting.
1: And finally, for all of you following the Indian Premier League, the IPL, if you see the Kings 11 Punjab Australian cricketer Andrew Tai doing the shui after a cricket match, guys, you should know that he's borrowed this idea from none other than Daniel Ricciardo.
0: <laughs> well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you twice next week. Adios.
1: Adios.